Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 11. It's a long read. But we read the word because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we read. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great, I really love you guys. And it's so good to see you here. Hey? Amen. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, emphasis on endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, being Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul, your mind. See that? You have not yet resisted bloodshed striving against sin. Good Lord. What a statement. And, and, and have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? Now remember, there's no male, no female. So don't the ladies now think, well, why is God passing us by? He's not, because there's neither male nor female in the spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? You all know that, right? That doesn't mean we're confused about our gender. That does not mean that at all. That's what the devil perverts from that truth. Okay, we know exactly what we are. And you, have you forgotten? Oh, no, um, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. That's simple discipline. It is not sickness. It is not disease. It is not destruction. That is a lie. This is discipline where he brings us into line with his word because it's his word that's going to take care of us nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him hello now he does that lovingly if any of your parents when you raised your children if you didn't discipline them they running the house and you doing the dishes right because that's what happens okay for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. For whom the Lord, when God corrects us, he's not correcting us because he's trying to be difficult or ruin our day. He is simply trying to get his promise into our life and to make sure that we enjoy the fruits of righteousness 
which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God's correction, not the devil's destruction, God's correction. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without instruction and discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are not, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. That's a revival scripture right there. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the, pre the peaceable fruits of righteousness, but it's conditional to those who have been trained. Is that in the Bible? It's all about revival. Trained. Why do we not see the power of God as we should? Lack of training. Because we'll contaminate and we'll hurt people. So that's why God doesn't just pour it out. Does he want to? Absolutely he wants to. So this passage of Scripture is so relevant to us realigning our vision. Now, I can't go back on last night. I would have liked to. It elaborates on key issues. And that's what we're going to just unpack a little bit. Key issues that cause hindrances. See, a hindrance isn't a stop. If you've got potholes, you can still get to your destination. It's just a hindrance. You can't travel at 120 because you may have no tires left. Amen? I was out of town recently with my wife, and there were potholes. She says, your car can take it. Hun, it's fine. Go. <laughs> I figured at the cost of those tires, I ain't hitting those potholes. <laughs> So they become hindrances in realizing our mandate. It begins with the instruction. What this passage of Scripture begins with is an instruction of our personal responsibility. Look what it says. It says that we're to lay down every weight. And I'm just going to unpack those two words, weight and sin. Now, we visited with this before, but the Holy Ghost wants to bring it back again. 
So what we need to look at is the personal responsibility that we've got to pick up that's hindering the realigning of the vision. It doesn't just happen. Let me tell you, this church is soaked in prayer and the Word. It doesn't just stay open. Ask my wife, who sits many hours waiting for me. I'm not trying to tell you how long I pray. That's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with God. But if we're not stewarding these elements correctly out of life, if we're not in control, see, always remember dominion in God. Always remember, we don't live circumstantially. We live as God directs because he wants us to profit. Do you get that? Now, don't just stick it into um, don't just stick it into finance. You with me? My wife and I were driving in this evening and she said to me, I just, I was in Malachi 3. How many things times she's read Malachi 3? Busy reading Malachi 3 and she's not taking up the offering. And she said, you know, it, um, the Lord was just reminding me that applies to our children. You better hear this, because it's true. Because it says the seed. Huh? Fruit of your ground. It's not just agriculture. Come on, family. God's got us covered on everything. So we need to be stewarding elements in our life so we in control of what we have to be control of. Now listen carefully, because very important, we're talking about realigning vision. Don't try and do what God does. This is a covenant. We've got our role, and he's got his role. And that's how the vision comes into being. And so when he, if you want to know what his domain is, it's in his word. But let me give you one very quickly that Jesus referred to if you're thinking about following Jesus and walking in the vision which he has for you. And let's go to Luke 12. This is the last big reader. I want to try and get these points out Here's one of the keys to birthing vision. Don't worry. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Or how much more value are you than the birds? If you then are not able to do the least, 
Why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I believe we should trust the Holy Ghost to minister to vision on Wednesday night as we close out. Consider the lilies. Now, I don't know what he'll do tomorrow night or even tonight because we haven't finished yet. We've got 13 minutes if we're working to the clock. Where's that lady that says I can go on forever? Oh, yeah, she is. Okay. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Talking about undeveloped faith and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink now listen carefully nor have an anxious mind where does worry start and stop in your mind that's good lady amen in your mind in your mind. Some of you would have heard me say, my mother used to worry about things that were 30 years away. We didn't even know what she was talking about because she was already worrying about those. For all those things, for all these things, sorry, the nations of the world seek after and your father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's, I love this passage, your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, not a bean, the kingdom. Think about that. The kingdom. It's your father's good pleasure to share his kingdom with us. That is staggering. If that doesn't install vision, Nothing will. Sell what you have. This is what we don't like. <laughs> Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags. He didn't say you shouldn't have money. He said bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches nor moth destroys for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, the passage that I read there is to lay aside every weight. Please think about this. These weights are burdens. What's a burden? Typically, your biggest burden in life is worry. Don't tell me there's a human being that doesn't worry until they know Jesus and start to replace worry with creation in them. I want you to see this. It is so important. The word Jesus actually expressly forbids worry. So people are trying to walk with the Holy Ghost and do the gifts, 
but they're worrying about everything else. Well, you can't have faith and worry. Because I'm going to show you your mind is key to how you get and build faith as well. Although it goes to your heart, your mind and your heart have to agree. Hello? It's very important. Okay, that's why we read that scripture. An anxious mind is a symptom of an unrenewed mind. People that worry all the time, and remember, I came out of that stuff. When people worry all the time, it's a symptom of an unrenewed mind. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And the Bible says, look what the Bible says here. You know the scripture. Should I just quote it? Now let's read it. It's because there may be people that don't know it. So let's read it. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Are you still with me? I beseech you. He's imploring them. I beseech you. That's not a light word. You therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, your whole body, your mind, and everything you do, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at this. So that you may prove. Not God. So that you and I may prove. What is God's acceptable, come on, good, acceptable, and perfect will? Can you see that? Because it's a covenant place in Christ. We're not dodos that just walk around and look like a glow lamp. God gave us the ability to think, to commune with him, to discuss. Otherwise, we'd be like the angels of God that don't have a free will as we do. So it's very important when I hear the statement, I understand there's a place for it when people say, I'm waiting on God. I understand the context, but it's often a deferment to God from the personal responsibility of believing God's word, stepping out even though it doesn't seem that it's going to hold, because it will hold. So what it's doing, this thing that we're talking about, an anxious mind, it begins to hinder the ability that we have of proving God's will. See, you have to do it. I cannot prove it for you. You have to prove for you. I have to prove for me. 
if we come into a collective objective for the ministry and we say, let's all agree, yes, then we all agree going forward, all right? But we must understand how important this is of an unrenewed mind because an unrenewed mind is always at war with God's ways. It just is a reality. It doesn't want to listen to God. The second one that I want us to look at is the sin of offense. Oh, yes. This kills vision. Watch this. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. If you look up that word sin, it is offense. I cannot tell you how many people I have seen in my life lose their vision because of offense. Okay? I'm going to make a statement here for you. It's one of the most common vision destroyers. And it can start with the simple thing like you sitting there and this lady has got this big hat and you can't see anything with her stupid hat. And every Sunday you come to church, she sits in front of you with her big hat. It's that simple. It's that simple. So, we need to recognize Jesus addresses, Luke 17, Jesus addresses this offense. Watch this. Luke 17. You know, when you say things like, oh, well, it's all very well for them. Offense, right there. You don't know their journey. You don't know their journey. Don't allow that stuff in. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. I'm going to believe Jesus over you and any psychologist. Jesus said, it is impossible. He used that word. But I can also take you to Mark 10, where he said, with what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so he brings, and in this is I tell you, this is one of the key vision killers. Watch this. It is impossible that no offense should come. Then he says, but woe to the one through whom it does come. Why? Because they kill the vision of the kingdom for extension for helping people's lives. That's what he's concerned about. When the kingdom doesn't work, people don't get saved. People go to lost eternities. That's what he's talking about. So our little poutings can destroy somebody's faith. 
and say, I'm never coming back. If I had to tell you, man, what I've been through, good Lord, what a journey. But if I allowed that to get me, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. I'd be in some bar somewhere, or I don't know, eating in some restaurant, doing something, right? Nothing wrong with that, just not on God's time. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck. This is how serious God takes vision. Remember, he was the originator of vision in the Garden of Eden. He said to the devil, there her seed will crush your head. Vision. 4,000 years later, Jesus arrives. 4,000. God's not in a hurry sometimes, right? You don't have to wait 4,000. We don't have that long. Okay, I can say that with a fair amount of confidence because you're not going to live a thousand years because there's a restriction in the Bible for us. So God's going to make it move quicker if we listen. We're hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. Then he should offend one of these little ones. He's not talking about children. He's talking about young believers. He's saying, don't hurt the young believers. Come on. Hello, we're having church now. Welcome to revival. You still want to be in revival? Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I tell you, that sucker called the devil, he will have nothing on you if you don't pick up on offense. He'll sit there with his little red tail but he can do nothing. He'll be so cross, his little stick will melt in his hand because he can't do anything if you don't allow offense. It is so important. Come on, family. Come on. So Jesus is talking about offense here and emphasizes how serious it is to our spiritual well-being. Because the word offense means snare. How many of you know the bush? You know what a snare is? It's a piece of wire. And they stick it out in the bush. And here comes Mr. Antelope. (laughs) And the more the antelope moves... The tighter it gets. That's how offense works. The more you try and move. Oh, 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 no, no. No, don't do that. No, remember what they did to you. Remember, remember. It's getting tighter, 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 tighter. Tighter until the very spiritual life is sucked out of us. Is this dramatic? It's real. It's what happens. All the time. Not in this church. In the name of Jesus. Not in this church. Now when the life is sucked out, what happens? When that offense takes on its full birth, it abandons the vision. 
says, I'm done with these people. I'm done with this stuff. I'm not working in this stinking company anymore. And walks out. What's the, what's the antidote for offense? Forgiveness. Lord. Did you get the last antidote? It's important, family. So important.